Hey folks, welcome to another episode of The Conversation. I just want to continue on with uh, the last one where I was discussing depression. <clears throat> just kind of expand upon that a little bit. Um, I wanted to talk about like the meaning. And uh, it, it's cliche. I mean, you've heard it in movies like a, like a thousand times where, you know, people are asking what the meaning of life is. And a long time ago, I theorized that the meaning of life was the pursuit of happiness. And that the true meaning of life was just finding something, anything that made you happy. And uh, later on, you know, 42 some years later, I would be listening to Dr. Jordan Peterson. And Dr. Jordan Peterson would be counter to that and say that that's, that's a silly idea. It's a silly notion is that happiness is fleeting. But meaning and purpose, you know, that is the meaning of life is, is finding purpose. is to be goal oriented. And then I realized is that it's probably hybrid, really is that if you can find a goal or if you can, you know, orient yourself with an objective, then in doing so and pursuing that goal, you'll end up being happy. So maybe it's both, right? And I kind of like that idea because I tell you, when you are, you know, 14, 15 and you're confronted with severe depression and you're asking yourself what the meaning of it all is and you can't see any... You know, you can't see any light at the end of the tunnel. You can't see your own worth. You think that the world would be better off without you. That's that's a uh, that's a heavy burden for any teenager to bear. And when you're in your 40s, it's it becomes no less unbearable. In fact, it becomes even more unbearable because you have the existential question of your own mortality to deal with. You know that the clock is running down, and you haven't achieved everything it is that you wanted to achieve. And you're human, you're flawed, and that's just a, a thing you have to deal with, right? And I mean, it, no one should sit there and tell you, you need to pick yourself up and go out there and pursue everything. Because it's, it's, that's a, a false narrative. That's not something that you can, that's not something you can necessarily live up to. That's not to say you shouldn't pursue your goals. That's just to say is that in being goal-oriented or whatnot, you should probably have a more casual take on it. Because if you... If you put too much into something and it fails and you're already in a, a state where, you know, where you're, you're in a place of darkness to begin with, that could just push you down even further. Um, I, I kind of look at that like with this podcast, because this podcast gets like four, you know, four or five people that listen to it. Um, and it's easy to get discouraged by that because, you know, you feel like you have something to say and it's meaningful and you want it to, you know, reach as many people as possible. But if, in saying that, if I take a look at it at a broader scope, there's a lot of things that I'm not doing to make that happen. And, you know, I'm working on it, guys. I'm working on seeing, seeing what I can do and getting the willpower to try to, to find a way to be able to put this out more. Um, because I believe that conversations with normal people discussing real things are, are valuable. I don't think there's enough of that in the world right now. I think that people are too focused on celebrities and what's going on politically and everything else that they're just forgetting that individuals, you know, are going through some shit. And uh, we need to reach out to one another and we need to make sure that each other is safe. And uh, the world isn't safe right now. And I'm not just talking about COVID, I'm just talking in general. Because people have a very apathetic view uh, to the suffering of other people. And uh, we generally have a pretty apathetic view to our own suffering. We don't see our value anymore. You think that because, you know, I took a look at it the other day and I'm like, I'm, I'm pretty much into a 9-to-5 job. I'm set into a routine, you know. 
my do my job is super stressful. It's uh, it's it's you know it's not without its challenges, and you want a job to be challenging, but it's also super stressful. It doesn't seem to be any any really give, right? Is that uh, I would love to be doing anything else other than that job, and that's not to say I'm not appreciative of the job. That's to say that uh, you know enjoy the job. I enjoy the rewards of the job. Um, in terms of my interaction with other agents and whatnot. Um, but ultimately, you, at the end of the day, when you fall asleep, is you're, you're, you have an expectation that you could be doing something else. You could be just, you're not meant for that. You could be doing something more. Yeah, so there's so much more that, you know, that I'd want to do. I mean, I look at the things that I failed at doing in the past. I had a website. Um, you know, where I did game reviews. I did that on Facebook for a while and it was pretty popular. I actually had quite a few views on that. And then I opened a website with my buddy, um, Rage Reviews, uh, where we still posted our content on uh, Facebook. And I just lost all willpower to do it. Something happened in my life. Something happened in my life which just, you know, stole my willpower to continue pursuing something that I was really passionate about. And that happens all the time happened to me with the website, happened to me when I was, um, you know, wanted to create a YouTube channel for fun to, you know, put my Call of Duty videos out. Um, it happened to me when I wanted to pursue writing a book, and it happened to me when I wanted to pursue doing this podcast. I don't have an answer, you know, that's part of the reason why I like talking about it is that I don't have an answer, is that if I'm trying to find meaning in my life, and I'm trying to find a pursuit of happiness, and I have all of these things that I want to do, you know, what prevents me from pursuing them? Is it the thought of failure? It certainly was in terms of the podcast. Um, you know, it was very discouraging to see the podcast go from 34 viewers, which isn't a lot to begin with, but certainly it was enough for me to say, hey, listen, you know, people are listening to my content, and then go down to four or five. And those four or five are probably really faithful friends. They're probably somebody who knows me really, really closely. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I really do appreciate the four or five people that actually do take the time to listen to the content. Um, you know, ultimately what I would like to see, you know, just so people understand where my fantasy land is, is, you know, I'd like to see the podcast get larger and that, you know, people ask me questions and I like questions because they force me to think. Um, and you can find a lot of your, you can find a lot out about yourself, um, by answering other people's questions and getting feedback from them. It doesn't do any good if you just ask to answer the question and you expect that to be that, is that it does very does you a lot of good in terms of personal growth. If somebody comes back after you answer the question and you know they have a rebuttal or maybe they have another point of view or you know they have a different take and then you can take something from that and you can revise your answer and from that you can you know you can become better as a person I feel. You know as like I look at things that are stumbling blocks like you know my buddy Sean and uh, my buddy Terry they had said you know you probably benefit from a better setup right and I like I get that guys but I just I don't have the money for a better setup so my phone is the best I got right now you know and who wants to invest that and I guess that's the question right like that's the that's what you guys could come back with is like I'm saying well you know who wants to invest that amount of money in something that might fail and then it's like well you know, you, you can't be an entrepreneur without, you know, putting in risk. Uh, you have to put money into something in order to be able to get money out of it. And I don't really know if that's my pursuit. I don't know if my pursuit is to get money out of it. And I know that seems, it's, it might seem illogical or foolish or contrived or, but I mean, I used to have this conversation with my friend Susan, um, who was an avid 
and rabid fan of my poetry. And I always appreciated her and her mom's take on, on the things that I wrote. And she didn't always get the translations of my poetry correct. And that didn't matter. When I wrote my poetry, I wrote it from a place where obviously it had a very distinct meaning to me, right? But the interpretation was just, but that other people got out of that poetry was just as important. And at that time, all of my meaning, all of my suffering, everything that I was going through at that time was, you know, that came out in, in the words that I was, I was writing in these poems. And that's really what sustained me is like, if you ask yourself, you know, when you're depressed is what, what keeps you going is that years and years later, I didn't have a clue who Jordan Peterson was at the time. And I don't think anybody did, but years and years later, I would find out that I would find truth in his words. Cause he was saying is that, you know, suffering is the meaning is that if you're, you're, you're goal oriented, you have something that you need to strive for. You know, and for me, writing every day, them super dark and, you know, often depressing po poems or whatnot was just me bleeding. It was just me bleeding my depression out of my body so I could live another day. And I know that sounds kind of morbid and everything else like that, but it has a very positive, it has a very, you know, there's a very positive message there. Is that if you can suffer one more moment, then you can suffer one more day. And if you can suffer one more day, you can suffer one more week, etc. Right? And the longer that period of time comes on, the more opportunity you have to find something that will give your life meaning and pull you out of that depressive state that you're in. <laughs> and even if that means that you're just jumping from medication to medication, because like I said before, is that there's not everybody that's going to be able to pull themselves out of depression just by, you know, working on things or putting themselves in a positive frame of mind. There's some people that absolutely chemically, they're going to have to find something that is able to, you know, is able to bring them out. But you need to find something that drives you forward day after day until you find that magic bullet. Mm -hmm. Right? Does that make sense? I hope so. Um, but you know, guys, I'm, I'm going to continue to pursue this uh, this podcast, and it's only going to be every now and then. It's probably going to be mainly for my benefit more than others, but I will try to get it out to as many people as I can. You know, and continuing on with, you know, finding the meaning, is that you take a look, and it's really interesting, and I was thinking about this, I was thinking about this last night, is that, you know, I click voice, and I do that because I enjoy it. And the amount of enjoyment that I get out of any one new thing that I buy, and the latest thing that I bought was a new car, and that's not a toy, obviously, but I bought a new car. The enjoyment that I got out of buying that car probably lasted as long as it took to be able to sign my name on the paper. And I thought that buying the car would make me happy. Now, mind you, there's all kinds of other reasons why the car was bought. It was not just to make me happy. This car has all kinds of new safety features, and it's not gotten all the warranty, and there's all kinds of other reasons, slower price, Lowered our insurance, right? So there's all kinds of different reasons to buy the car. But the enjoyment that I got from buying the car was literally, was literally pretty much over at the time that I put ink to page. And uh, I realized that that's pretty much the way it is with anything is that there's only momentary satisfaction in purchasing things. And then that led me to believe that that's probably one of the reasons why so many celebrities commit suicide. And somebody who's not on that spectrum does not have that money you know, we sit there and we go, I don't understand how they could do that. I mean, they had everything. They had family, you know, they had millions of dollars. They could go anywhere and do anything. That's just it. They've got nothing else. They, they're doing exactly what I'm saying. Is that they, and what Jordan Peterson talks about is that they're not suffering. They can't find meaning. Um, 
you know, and that a different kind of suffering, obviously, because depression is obviously suffering. But you, that's not the meaning. The, you know, you need to find meaning in life to be able to, to, in order for you to be able to be not depressed, because now you have a goal that you're oriented to. And if you're a celebrity and you've already done everything, right, and you can go anywhere and you don't have any boundaries, for a lot of people that can be overwhelming. Obviously, there's some people that live into that state quite comfortably, right? But that's because they remain goal-oriented. I mean, you can take a look at Jeff Bezos, one of the richest men in the world, right? Is he depressed? I have no idea, but he seems to he, he seems to be handling himself quite well, and that's probably because every day he wakes up and he has an objective in front of him. He has something, some goal, something that he is oriented to, right? That's that's adjacent to the amount of money that he actually has, and that's really one of the things that I think you know is the commonality, the parallel between people who are poor, people who are rich, right, is that even though we think, especially at my level, you know, if you're at that blue collar level, if you're at that, you know, I don't know, $35,000, $40,000 a year level, you sit there and you think that the things that you buy are going to make you happy. And you're, you're not wrong. The things that you buy will make you happy, but that happiness is fleeting. Your true happiness is going to come out of monumental changes that you make. Like, if you were at a stagnant job for, you know, 10 years, right? You're at a stagnant job for 10 years, and then you move on to something new and exciting. You're going to garner more happiness from making that change and refreshing that aspect of your life than you would, you know, buying that new, uh, that new uh, Under Armour sweater or uh, buying that new video game or, you know, whatever it is. And those 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 things that we tangibly hold on to, but you know, get you know forgotten after a, a, from anywhere from an hour after you get it to you know maybe like a week or a month later. You know, maybe your life doesn't have meaning, and then you have a kid. That's another really good example, and that's not for everybody. Obviously, not everybody wants to have a kid, but a lot of people who are down and angry and upset with their life find meaning when they have kids, and that's because they have now they have something to focus on that's not themselves right that makes sense and I think there's a lot of people out there who if they did listen to it or whatnot would absolutely see reason in that they would say uh, you know I didn't really see any direction in my life and then you know I had uh, you know I had uh, David or I had Sally and then you know everything was kind of set before me and I never really looked back and there's a lot of people that can say that and then there's a lot of people on the audience and like I say it's, it's fluid right and there's just lots of people that say it's like oh listen I lost the meaning of my life after I have kids I had everything in the world that I wanted to do, and then I had kids, and that was all taken away from me. And that's a completely different conversation, because that's that's that comes from a place of selfishness, obviously, right? Is that you had kids, regardless of whether it was a conscious effort or if it was an accident, you ended up having kids, and now you do have a responsibility, and you're, the the object is is that you now have to move within that responsibility, which you absolutely can do, right? Like, I mean, there's some things that you can plan for, you know, after your kids get older, and you don't have to you know you don't have to wait on them hand and foot you know you can plan for things like that but if you can get up i guess the the bottom line is is that if you can get up and you can push forward one more moment then you can push forward one more day and if you can do those things you can find meaning and if you can find meaning maybe you can push yourself past it maybe you can find an answer to something that will make it so it's more tolerable for you to face that next moment or face that next day I really, I, like I say, I really do believe that. I don't, I don't think that, I think a lot of people use physical possessions or whatnot as a crutch, as something that's 
a momentary fix, like, you know, taking a hit from a crack pipe, really, or, you know, taking a joint or, you know, whatever it is, whatever reference you want to make. But uh, the happiness that you garner from that is fleeting. Um, I find meaning in my kids. Like, if you want to know what drives me forward every day, I find meaning in my kids. Um, I find meaning in my work. And I find meaning in trying to push forward on the things that I want to do. And I so badly fail at that. I get so discouraged. And I look at it like if I put the work into this and this fails, then I'm 42 years old and, you know, I've lost a lot of time where I probably could have been putting something into something that was more practical or useful. Uh, but that thinking doesn't make me happy. Right? Is that I have so many people in my life that say, Chris, you know, I see a lot of value in the things that you say, and I want to let you know is that you really helped me through a hard time, or, you know, I really appreciate how you mentor me uh, at work, and, you, you know, you push me without making me feel small or condescending, and all of that praise means so much, so much to me. It really does. I don't have an ego for it. It just makes me feel like I'm doing good, you know, and I think you're a monster. Everybody is. And if you don't think you're a monster, then you're wrong. That's just flat out, is that anybody put into a certain circumstances has the capability to do unspeakably evil things. And the pursuit of trying to make things better and trying to help people as much as you can pushes that monster as far to the back as, as you can, right? And that's pretty much what life is, it's just pushing that monster to the back. And I was a monster for a really long time. And I was not a good person. I hurt a lot of people. And I tried to pursue my own personal happiness like through selfish means. You know, I destroyed relationships and I got that back on my own. I, you know, I had relationships destroyed on me. So I've been on both sides of that coin and no, neither side of that coin is good. It is that if something is worth it, you'll stick by it through thick and thin. And you won't run when things get hard and you'll realize your worth. And if somebody doesn't realize your worth, then you'll kick them to the curb. And that's what you're going to do. And if you don't do that, you're, you're, you're literally just hurting yourself. You have to make that move. And like I say, I was like, I've got so much that I'm not proud of, but it's all it's all fire. It's all fire that's just used to forge the person that I am now. And hopefully, I can pass that on to my kids. And I can make sure that my kids are not evil. They suppress their monsters as well. And that they don't fall into, you know, the depression that I fell into. Because it happens in childhood, guys. It's like, if you have kids, make sure you treat your kids well. And that doesn't mean you let them get away with murder. That just means that you're not harder than you need to be. Because you don't want your kids scared of you. Or scared of you, sorry. There's nothing good that comes from having your, your kids scared of you. They should recognize you as an authority figure. And they should recognize that you're not going to take shit. But they should also realize that when something goes wrong, that uh, you're there for them.
and that you love. All right, guys, have a great one. I'll see you in the next episode of The Conversation. Thanks.